0: series called thresholds how many of you guys know what a threshold is a threshold is is you know something that sits at the in our understanding is something that sits at the bottom of a doorway that is a transition point from one room to another or from outside to inside right in fact if you have a house and you have cold air coming in through your door one of the things that you can do is you can adjust the threshold right you can change that so that you don't you're not getting cold air coming underneath your door uh, But in the kingdom, when we talk about thresholds, we're really talking about going from one place to another. And I feel like it's very appropriate as we're we're beginning a new year that we look at, at, at crossing the threshold. That we go to another room. You've been here. There's been great things there. There's been great things in 2014, but there's greater things in 2015. I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, uh, to get on the podcast and listen to last week's message. I really felt like it was a prophetic word. I don't always say that when I when I preach, but I feel like it's a very prophetic word for our church, for our people. uh, That 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 God is bringing you into some things, and the 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 seeds that you sowed last year, you're, you're. this is the year of redemption, so you're going to redeem some of those things uh, where you planted last year. You're going to see some harvest from that. Are you with me? And so that, that's kind of where we're at. We're kind of in this tension between these two series, and kind of kind of moving in uh, to this new ther- series called Threshold. Now, how many of you know it's scary to be in a place that you've never been before? Right? It's scary. It's scary, especially when when the door don't have any, when the room don't have any windows. Right. It's just, there's a wall there. All there is is a door. The door don't even have a a window. But you know that you're supposed to go to the next place. And it's scary sometimes going to the next place because it's uncomfortable, right? Listen, transition is always uncomfortable. Part of the reason why transition is uncomfortable is because we won't move along if we're comfortable, Because we love our comfort. Come on, are you with me? We've been through several transitions in our lives, especially in the last five years. And I can tell you, every one of those transitions was very uncomfortable, but it was necessary to cross the threshold to the next season. And I am all about embracing the season, embracing where you're at, getting everything you can in that season. But listen, it's time to move on. It's time to move to a new season. Wherever you at, no matter how new or old that season, I believe the word for this house is time to move on. It's time to cross the threshold because the threshold is a transition piece to a point of entry to the next season. So Second Corinthians chapter three. Now, how many of the kingdom of God is built upon this threshold of Jesus? Right and the, Under the old covenant, we had all these laws, all these regulations that we had to keep. When Jesus came and died on the cross, he provided the threshold in order for us to cross over into relationship with God. Not relationship with the system, not, not a relationship with a bunch of rules and regulations. Come on, there's a law of Christ. God does want you to be obedient, but it, we're no longer under that system. We're under the system of relationship, that doesn't mean that there's no standards. There's absolutely standards. Um, that's where people oh, just thought oh, the standards and it's all about relations. How many know that in every relationship there's standards? I have standards with the relationship. We're we're in love. We love one another, but there are also expectations, <laughs> right? Come on, are you? It is it is a covenant. It is between two parties. Are you with me? And so some people like just the the God side of the covenant, not fulfilling their end. There is a there is a, a rotting of His desires on our heart, if you will. Alright, Second Corinthians chapter seven, this is kind of where Paul is talking about this. He said, The old law, with laws etched the old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death, though it began with such glory, and the people of Israel could not bear it at Moses's face. Now what happened If you know the story, Moses had led the people, the children of Israel, into the desert out of slavery. They were complaining, all this kind of stuff. And God said, I'm going to give you a covenant. I'm going to renew a covenant with my people. And so Moses went up to the mountain and he saw God, and he encountered God in a powerful way, and he comes back, and he has the law, right? The Ten Commandments, the, and the, all these things that God, these expectations of God, and he comes back. And when Moses came back, his face was beaming from the glory of God because those that looked to him are radiant. Whenever we spend time with God, there is a, there's a radiance that comes from that. There's a reflection that happens. So Moses had this beaming face when he came down off the mountain. This isn't a, really a story about that study, but he was, he, was, he was radiating with the glory of God. It was just beaming off of him. And I think it tells us a lot about God's glory that whenever we spend time in His presence, that, that it does something to us. It changes our countenance. It changes uh, the, the way that we look. And then we don't. We're not like, well, I'm just. It's just weakness. It's the way I am. When you come off. When you come away from the presence of God, when you have the indwelling presence of God, it changes your countenance. It changes your your function. It changes the way you look. It's not really about the way that you look anymore. It's about the way that he looks. And so uh, he comes off and he has this. But what happened is they put a veil over his face because they noticed that the glory started fading. So they didn't want people to be like start questioning his leadership because he had this fading glory. Right. So we're like, well, he must not know God anymore because now all of a sudden it's gone. Well, there just was no capacity in Moses. He didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of him. He didn't He, didn't, he wasn't indwelled with the spirit of God. So he wasn't able to 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 uh, project that presence of God continually like you and I can. So this is what he's talking about. So his face shone the glory of God, and even though the brightness was already fading away, shouldn't we far a far greater glory under a new way? Now, that glory came from the old way. This glory that we have comes from the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life. In the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious. How much more glorious is the new way? So we're like, oh, man, I would love to be like Moses. He had the glory shining. How much better is the glory of the new way, the new covenant, which makes us us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared to the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which had been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which remains forever? So it's not a fading glory. It's a sustaining glory even more than sustaining, which we'll see in just a minute. Since this new way, which gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. You can be very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was uh, destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writing writings, their hearts were covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, but when someone turns to the Lord like you did, like I did, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom, there's no more. Hindrance of the veil. Are you guys with me? So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Did you know that it was your, it's your destiny to have the glory of God on your life, in every area of your life, in your studies, in your parenting, in your marriage. The glory of God. That's the destiny. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changing into his glorious image. The New King James Version says it this way. But we, with unveiled faces, beholding as in in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Whose image? God's image. It's exactly what was mandated in the book of Genesis, right? The image of God it faded why because of sin because of our disobedience we exchanged that image of looking at god for to look like ourselves right this is my wheat and the way i am my fallen nature this is who i am the way i function no, no, it didn't your life's hidden you're not supposed to look like you you're supposed to look like him and fulfillment is not finding who you are in fact finding who you are is only found in him So everybody's like, just accept me the way I am. Please, listen, do me a favor. Do Josh Brown a favor. Do not accept me the way I am. Please don't. Because I'm fallen, I'm screwed up, that my life would be lost in his. Please don't accept me the way I am. Okay? (laughs) I don't want you to accept me the way I am because I'm screwed up. Right? All right. So that word transform are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So what is that saying? That's saying that it's a process, right? It goes from glory to glory. And one day I was reading this scripture and I was like, it's glory to glory. It's level. It's like video game, right? Level to level, right? Once you level up, you don't level back down, right? That's the, the good thing about going to the next level. Is that you don't have the good thing about going to level ten is that you don't have to do level one again. Thank God. Even if you screw up in level 10, you get to start over at level 10, right? Once you level up, you're, you're leveled up. You aren't going back down. It's glory to glory. It's threshold to threshold. It's level to level. So God wants the next level this year, the next level of glory. The, 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 the seeds that you sowed to sorrow last year are reaping in joy this year. Glory to glory. That's the old way. This is the new way. That word right there, transformed, is a word, When this is what we talked about in the toxic series, is metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is not a dog growing a winter coat or you putting on 30 pounds. That's not metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. It's a complete, total change. Total change, not adaptation. God's way is not adaptation. God's way is transformation, right? God doesn't want your heart to adapt to his. He wants your heart to be transformed. Come on. Not your behavior to be modified, your heart to be transformed. If your heart is transformed, your behavior will follow. Are you with me? This word transformed right here, metamorphosis, is used four times in the New Testament, just four times. twice it was used it was talking about Jesus when he is on the mountain of transfiguration another time is in Romans chapter 12 where he says be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then we see it here that we are being transformed how from glory to glory from threshold to threshold so god is transforming us and we said this before god doesn't want you to be better he wants you to be different right he wants you to function differently that's why you got to repent to come into the kingdom it's not about stopping doing. That happens. But you're different. You've got to think differently. You've got to process differently. Everything's got to be different. It's the opposite kingdom that the world that we live in is. And we're so lost in culture and society that, we, that we, we're, we're starting to allow that to be the predominant thing that we, we go for. The thing that we try to achieve is, 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 is the world's way. But God's like, I want to transform you. I want you to be radically different than you were before. I, you know, when I when I got saved, I was completely different. People were like, "What?" People were freaking out. If, in fact, if I if I were to go to a you know one of my high school uh, reunions, and I told them I was a pastor, they'd probably freak out, right? What are you doing? Because it wasn't until like later on in my senior year of high school that, I mean, they just people trip. They're like, "What? Really?" Because I'm totally different than I was. I was timid, quiet, reserved. God changed me. It's not bragging on me. It's just there. I was different. I wasn't just. I wasn't a better person. You can be a better person and be a Mormon. You can better be a better person by doing yoga. Or something God doesn't want just better, he wants different different produces better, so just be different. I don't just be different to be don't be odd for odds sake, some people just like to be weird, and you know there's no glory in that there's there's no glory in something that's not tangible. This is talking about a tangible glory, something that 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 uh can can bring some some agent of change to what's going on so Now, what are we transformed for? We are transformed to reach our intended mature destiny. What God has destined for you, these are the thresholds that you're crossing. Glory to glory. Why? For our intended mature destiny. So what God has intended for you is what you're transforming into. What? The likeness of Jesus. Not Jesus himself, but to be like him. Now, how many of y'all are... Completely like Jesus. How many of you are becoming like Jesus? Right? How does that happen? Transforming. The renewing of the mind. Glory to glory. Level to level. Threshold to threshold. The reason why you're in a new season is to make you look more like Jesus. Not just so you can have more money in your bank account. Although you might have more money in your bank account. And then you can give that money away to people like Jesus would do. Wow. See how it works? All right. Maybe you will lose weight this year so you can have more energy to spend time with your kids or to serve more at your church. What is the agenda? Okay. Um, When I think about thresholds, I I think about... uh, You know, many of y'all know I teach a graphic design class, and uh, I teach this class, and sometimes when students come in, they're just like, they're kind of lost, and they're they're, they're okay, and then it seems like something happens. Something clicks. All of a sudden, they go from a mediocre or even a bad designer, and overnight, they're good. What happened? They crossed a threshold. I think about uh, musicians. I mean, we've been doing uh, music together for a long time. I've been leading worship, and I've worked with with dozens of musicians over the years and I've noticed people when they first they become they're a beginner and then they become sometimes intermediate sometimes they become advanced like that there was this guy that used to play drums for me his name was Tommy and he was we didn't know he was an incredible musician and uh, he's like I bought a drum set I play drums so I went in this little room that we had at our church and I just start I was like well let's just get together and let's just play so you can learn how to play you know and so we can play together and so we went in there, and I got my guitar out, my little amp, and he got it on his bass, on his drums, and we just start playing. And, man, he was so terrible. And I was just like, oh, man, this is never going to work. And then I was like, man, I was like, just just kind of jump in. Just, just flow with it. Just flow with it. And we just played for like 30, 45 minutes. And all of a sudden, like that, it clicked. And then he was like one of the best drummers I've ever worked with in my life, one of the best musicians overall that I've ever worked with in my life. Why? Because he had a moment to where he crossed over. And then he went from glory to glory, threshold to threshold. Then the student became the teacher very quickly. (laughs) Because I was like, you know, me and my four chords. And so I was like, then he was playing guitar, keyboard, writing songs. And, And, I mean, it was just glory to glory, level to level, threshold to threshold. This is what happened when we cross. There's no going back once you cross the threshold. Are you with me? Um, I, I see this with Elisa. A year ago, a little over a year ago, she started walking. It was right out about a year ago. Our, our daughter, our almost two-year-old daughter, and she was, you know, 11 months, and she was trying to walk, and she was all terrible. But all of a sudden, she crossed a threshold. She was able to walk. So now if she crawls, it's weird. The other day she was crawling. I was like, what are you, That's the old way. Right? it was, It's kind of awkward. And she looked awkward doing it. It's almost like she forgot how to crawl. Right? Why? Because she crossed a threshold. She not—she has a new reality. And so she doesn't live in the old reality anymore. She doesn't crawl around to get to places. Some you need to quit crawling. That's what you used to do. Now you're a walker. Not like the walking dead walker, but like a human walker alive with fill the Spirit of God. living, very living walker. Right? Sorry. I need to take that captive. Okay. So, I want to talk today about where you're going. And... I feel like that. there's a lot of times we're really good, you know, we live in America, we're very goal-oriented, we have business plans. I love all that. I love being goal-oriented. I love being able to focus and set a goal and say, by this time, I'm going to weigh this many pounds. By this time, we're going to have this many people in our church. By this time, we're going to, listen, goals, all there. it's great, right? Jesus didn't say, uh, don't plan for your future. He said, don't worry about your future. Sometimes the best way not to worry about our future is to plan for our future, right? And so we, we I do believe that there's wisdom in planning. Some people overplan; They don't allow any room for the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing wrong with planning. But I think many times we're so focused on the plans. Where do I want to be this year? I want to get out of debt this year. I want to lose uh, 10 pounds this year. I want to be able to bench press 600 pounds this year. Whatever it is, whatever our goal is, Right? Do the, the yoga move, the planking for you know six minutes this year. Whatever it is, it's good to have these goals. Listen. But it's not I want you to tr- transition something, that you would have a vision, not just for the things that you do this year, but that you would have a vision for your heart this year, in 2015, that you would have a vision for your heart. Not just a vision for oh, I want my kids to be able to read this many books this year, right? But a vision for your heart. Where do you want your heart to be in 6 months? We don't really think about that too much, do we? Think about we think about where we want to be, but we don't ask what do I want to be like? So you need to ask yourself this question. More important than where you want to be in 6 months, More important than that is what do you want to be like? I don't want to deal with anger anymore in six months. I don't want to deal with lust in six months. I don't want to deal with loneliness in six months. Where do you want your heart to be? Uh, success in our society is dependent upon ambition and goals, resulting in the accumulation of likability, notoriety, stuff, materialism, right? This is kind of the, what the world judges success by, how many people like you, how much stuff you have, right? Success, money in the bank, kids in college, right? That's, our, that's, that's the agenda, get a good job so I can live in a nice house, so I can raise good kids, so I can send my kids to college. Right? Good college. Why? So they can have a lot of money, have a nice house, have a happy family, raise their kids and go to good college so they can get a good job. Do you see there must be something different about the kingdom life? Nothing wrong with those things. Those are great, but those are not number one. And so what we do is we set goals according to the world standard and not according to God. It's not like, what do I want to be like? What do I want my children to be like? Not do I want them to be successful or go to a certain school. What do I want their heart to be like? You all today? So we have all this. We should be Listen, we should be ambitious for those things. Nothing wrong with being ambitious for those things. Our greatest drive should be what heaven is passionate about. What is Heaven passionate about? What do you want your relationship with Jesus to be like in 2015? What do you want your faith level to be like? I'm like, I want to lay hands on 15 people and them get healed this year. That's a good goal for you. I want to lead six people to Jesus this year. Some of us, that's not even on our radar, leading somebody to Jesus. Second, 1 uh, Timothy chapter 6 says this. Now, it seems like I'm battling and I'm kind of anti-goals. I'm not. Th- these are great things. Possessions are not wrong. We don't work for possessions. We make possessions work for us. Right? Right? Okay. I think that God wants you to be finan- blessed, financially capable of being a blessing to others. That needs to be the motivation of the kingdom. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Y'all okay today? Okay. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh. (laughs) Put that on your refrigerator uh, successories poster. There used to be this company called, I don't know if y'all know what that is. is There used to be this company called Successories, and they made motivational posters, right? Yeah, mountain. Here's a mountain. Goals. You got to have a goal. Right, <laughs> hang in there. Yeah, I got it. When I was a kid, I had a motivational plaque. It was a, it was a a, a mouse, and there was a little rope, and it had a knot on it, and the mouse was holding on to the rope. And it says, "When you get to the end of the rope, tie a knot on and hang on." <laughs> and there's this little mouse, this little picture. And then, so my mom got me all these little things, so I would be, I don't know what, so I'd be what. And it's just she had one that says, "I," it had this kid, he was kind of pouting, and it said, "I know I'm somebody." Because God don't make junk. I was like, okay. So I remember, apparently it worked a little bit. Uh, So we have all these, so put that one on your motivation. ego. godliness with contentment is great gain. We don't like that, right? We probably wouldn't put that on one of those things. We probably should, but we probably won't. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about materialism. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. He's talking about the dangers of materialism. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. The love of money. Not money. The love of money. Right? Some people eager for money... Have wandered from the faith and pierced himself himself with many griefs. But you, man of God, woman of God, flee from this and pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. These are the things that we're to pursue with our life. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which we are called and made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So what is he saying here? He never says money is the root of all kinds of evil. He's just saying don't be so materialistic. So what should be the goal of our life? To pursue. What should we be in pursuit of? What is the goal of our life? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with promotions. We believe in that. We believe God wants us to take dominion, come on, over that area of society. But for what end? So I could have a nicer car, drive a nicer truck, get an RV. That's what I'm wanting. Leslie, now, last week, talking nothing. Every time I see an RV, I'm like, I want an RV. To what end? To what end? Nothing wrong with having an RV. Nothing wrong with having a nicer car, better job, nothing wrong with that thing. To what end? The motivation, right? You're different for wanting those things than the guy that works with you at the job. He wants the promotion so he can have more money, so he can raise kids. You want to have more money because you want God to be glorified, because you want to have more kingdom dominion, because you want to see the kingdom advanced. Are you okay? All right, so how do we develop vision for our heart? How do we develop this vision for our heart that we're talking about? Number one is desire. If you're going to develop a vision for your heart, you've got to have desire. We, did, we devoted a series to desire, uh, spiritual hunger last summer uh, called The Hunt. You can go back and listen to that if you want. Listen, if you want to stay where you, you're, you're at, you will. If, you, if you're good, if you want to just sit around and be like, oh, yeah, I'm good, I don't really need, then you'll be there. You'll be there in a year. You'll be there in five years. You'll be there in six. Nothing will happen in your life. Without some sovereign interruption, which could happen, but but not to be expected. In fact, usually the thing that spurs desire in us for more of God is tragedy. I <laughs> don't want that, right? I don't think God causes those things, but he definitely uses those things. If you want to stay you're at, you, you. you can and you will. But listen, God's plan is always glory to glory. So the question is, do you want what he wants? Do you want the glory to glory? Do you want to reflect him greater this year? Do you want to look like Jesus this year? You know, I really feel like I have been very... I'm just going to shoot real straight with you guys today some things that have really been burning my heart. I'm very, like, I know what God's called me to do. God's called me to pastor. God's called me to equip the saints. That's, like, my calling. That's what I'm supposed to do. And, But I'm telling you, there's, like, a burning in my heart for souls. Like, why am I equipping people? Why do we come here every week and get equipped and encounter Jesus? Why? W- to what end? So I can leave content? So I can leave happy? That is not the goal. The goal is to win the world. The goal is to see God's kingdom come and rule and reign in every area, whether it be our job or our friends, or our neighborhood, or our family, that people would be reached for Jesus. That we'd understand, that we'd have a bearing that, 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 and a weight on us that people are going to die and go to hell without Jesus. This is the reality. That is scary. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. Because we're just happy with me and Jesus and, and the next thing that God wants to do in my heart. To what end that his fame would rule on the earth? Man, you need to start praying for those people. I need, I'm praying all the time. God, would you bring people that I can win to Jesus? Not just send people. We, we pray that a lot of times. Lord, would you send some people that, that are solid to come and help lead our church? We're continually praying that. God, would you would bring the laborers? The harvest is ready. But I'm praying, God, would I be a better harvester? Would I go out and get the harvest? All right. So there's got to be some desire to start spurring these things on. And I know for me, like, I'm ready to see some people wanted to Jesus, like, in a big way. Like, I'm not just content with more people coming to our church that are already, like, doing good in God. I want that. But I I want some people that, like, are hurting to come to Jesus. Some people that are wounded, that have abandoned the church. We see this... uh, Right now in society, the, the churches, the people are leaving the church because, the, because they're wounded by the church. We call these uh, the dechurched people, right, because they're, they're pissed off at church. Because somebody said something, is the blame on the church or the blame on them? It doesn't really matter. The fact is, this is the state. I, don't, I think the church gets way more bad rap for what it is. I really do. I think a, I think a few rotten people have spoiled the image of the church. I think for the most, the church is glorious. It's getting more glorious. There's been some bad seed. But I feel like that what we've got to do is we've got to go out and we've got to redeem the time and we've got to bring people back to Jesus. With those that are lost, those that have wandered away, Jesus said he's going after the sheep, right? Those that have wandered off, and I believe that we've got to go after the wandered off. we also got to go the ones that aren't even sheep, We've got to win people to Jesus. This has got to be a goal of our heart. But back to the thing with, with the, the desire for me. I've got to have that desire. And listen, you can nurture your appetite. You say, man, I'm just, I'll just be real honest with you. Some of you are thinking, I'm just not really that hungry for God. I'm like, good where I'm at. The only way that's going to change is for you to nurture that. Spend a little bit more time in prayer. Spend a little bit more time in worship. Serve a little bit more. Get involved in more things that are around the people of God. Those are the only things that are going to cause you to have more of an appetite. There's things that I've eaten in my life that, that I used to not like. But why do I like them now? Because I developed an appetite for them by trying things. Okay? All right. Number two, a devotion to progress. Forward movement. Forward movement. We're talking about forward movement. What is progress? Progress is forward movement. We've got to be devoted to forward movement. We've got to be devoted to going to the next threshold. Check this out. And let me just say this. The kingdom is always moving forward. right? This is what what they said. They said the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. So the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It's always moving forward. It's here, and it's coming. It's the kingdom. It's not back there. It's here and it's coming. So the kingdom is always advancing. So what do we have to do in our pursuit of the kingdom? We've got to be devoted to, the prog- to, to not just the process but the progress. Luke chapter 9. I need to get through this. I've chased a lot of rabbits today. Luke chapter 9, and he said that sometimes there's meat on rabbits. Yeah. Come on. Okay, then he said to one another, follow me. But they said, Lord, let me go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, but you go preach the kingdom. How rude. How uncompassionate, Jesus. Here's another motivational quote for you. All right. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to them, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Listen, if our vision is the kingdom, um, then, then vision for our life is not difficult. Vision is not difficult if you're always thinking kingdom advancement. Vision comes naturally. What can I do to influence? What can I do to reach? What can I do to advance the kingdom? Then vision for your life is going to come automatically. Some of you struggle with vision. I'm not, I'm not a guy that struggles with vision. I can see things way before they, they show up. It's just it's part of the, my, my gifting that God has given me. It's not a difficulty for me. But part of that has been nurtured because I'm very kingdom-driven. I'm always thinking, how to how can God be glorified here? How can the kingdom dominate? How can the kingdom rule here? And so that's part of the reason why that I'm able to be, uh, that I never struggle with having vision. In the times that I have, it's probably because I wasn't thinking that way. Okay? So... The word threshold, let me just say this, uh, there, there's two, there's kind of a debate, okay? Where did the word threshold come from? One, one theory is the word threshold uh, came from uh, back in the day when, when floors were dirt. You guys have heard the term dirt poor, right? So what would happen is someone would have a house and they had a dirt floor. Why? Because they were dirt poor. But the wealthy many times would have uh, a fl- floors made out of slate, but when the floors would get wet because of the conditions outside and it would come in the house, well, what would happen is, is the, uh, the floors would get wet and they would get very slick. So they'd take the, the, uh, the thresh, which would be like the husk or the, the shaft that came from their wheat, what they harvested that year, and they'd put that down on their floors, and then they put this barrier at the front door. What was that? That was a threshold. It was to hold of the thresh inside the house. Okay, and so th- th- this is one of the theory. The other theory is, is because the word threshold actually comes from a word that's thresh cold. The word is thresh cold, and it first appeared in Old English. And what it, what it was is it was the meaning was that when someone would come into a house, before they come into the house, they would stomp their feet from the snow and the cold that was on their feet. You guys do it when you walked in that door today. Some of you probably did that. You stomped your feet. You rubbed your feet. Why? Because you are crossing into a place that is different than you, than you used to be in. So what are you doing? You're knocking off the old. You're knocking off the remnants, all the things that remained before. Listen, we have, have got to shake off the old if we're going to come into the new. We've got to be forward in our thinking. We've got to shake it off. And, and I know that we're all thinking, you know, the Taylor Swift song, shake it off, shake it. I'm, And you're going to be singing it for the next three days, Right. I'm not really talking about the Taylor Swift song, but I am. I believe that that, <laughs> I believe that that song could be prophetic, very prophetic, that we need to shake off some of the junk, the haters, the past, the mistakes. Listen, you don't plant a seed. Listen, you don't plant a seed and keep going back and digging up that seed to see if it's producing. You plant it, and you trust that it's going to grow. So all those seeds that you sowed, whether it, be, whether it be bad, whether it be good, whether it be sorrow, which we talked about last week, whatever those seeds that you it's done. Let it grow. Let it produce. You don't worry about that. You just plant the seeds for next time. And if it produces, and it will produce a harvest, you receive that. You receive that harvest. But in order to enter into something new means that we have to leave something old. The threshold. Knock all that junk off your shoes and walk into the next place. Get into that room. Yesterday's a seed, so we don't worry about those seeds. You have to leave, we, in order to enter into something new, you've got to leave something behind. You don't have the capacity to receive something new. It's like Jesus said, old wineskins, right? Can't contain new wine. You can't contain what's new if you're continually filled with what's old. You need a greater capacity. So some things you're going ha- to have to shake off. Maybe a mindset. Maybe an ad- Some of you just need to change something that's not even bad. Just so you can create something new. There are certain things in your life that you're doing right now that you just need to quit doing. So you can do something else. It might be even a good thing. It might be beneficial, but you just need to quit doing it. So you can do something else. A mindset, an attitude, a hardness, a habit, a pattern, a comfort, a convenience. Get rid of something old. To get something new, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Number three is determination. Y'all okay? Okay, so number one, you gotta have desire. Number two, you gotta be devoted to progress. Go ahead, Nate. Number three is determination. Listen, determination dissolves distractions. It is. And let me just say this new levels, new devils. New levels, new devils. You're going to go to the next level. There's always going to be a devil to try to stand in your way. There's always going to be some demonic oppression. There's always going to be some person that doesn't want you doing that. There's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be opposition for the transition. There's always going to be it. But if you will be determined to say, this is where I'm going to be, I'm not going to allow anything to get in my way. I'm going to put my hands to the plow. I'm not going to look back. I'm going to grind forward. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Nothing's going to stop me. If you will get determined All the distractions will dissolve. Uh, Luke chapter 8, we see Jesus. He tells his disciples, let's go to the other side. They all get in the boat. And what happens when they get on the river, uh, on the the seas? A storm hits. Listen, every time it's time to go to the next side, the other side, there's always going to be a storm. There's always going to be something that's trying to keep you on this side of the threshold. But will you be determined enough this year to say that's it? Screw it. I'm moving forward. You've got to have that attitude. You've got to have that determination. Just as I'm done, I am done. You've got to have that determination. You can't just function on your feelings anymore. Well, just kind of, you know, it's just gonna. I'm just not really that kind of person, Pastor Josh. I just kind of lay back and I just kind of take things as they go. Well, you can't take things as they go anymore. The kingdom of God is advancing forceful men. Lay hold of it. You've got to have some determination. You can't just stop because it's going to get difficult. Because there are going to be goals that that, that you set today, that you set later on this afternoon. There are going to be some things that you process. You're going to say, I want to be here. There's going to be opposition tomorrow. I guarantee you, on Monday, I'm going to start eating healthier. There's going to be an opportunity for me to eat a donut. Taco Bell is going to be like... That little chihuahua they used to have, they're gonna be like barking. Hey, yo quiero Taco Bell. I'm gonna be like, party. Right? You're gonna get that coupon to go get half off a moo burger." you know what I'm saying? There's gonna be an opportunity. But if you can develop some resilience in your spirit, it's a determination that says, I don't want what's convenient, I don't want what's good, I want what's best. And let me just say this that good is always the enemy of great. Where there is no revelation, there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. You keep that vision in front of you. You write it down. So what I want you to do over the next day, the next two days, and and, uh, Albert's going to talk about it in just a moment. Over the next 21 days, we're asking you guys to pray with us. It's not anything intense. You just read a a chapter out of the book of John. It could be as intense or as laid back as you want, but we're going to pray together for 21 days. Albert will share a little bit more about that. But you would say, I'm just going to do something to provoke my spirit this year to provoke my heart to have a greater uh, desire for for Jesus where there is no revelation the vision the written down vision the the heart birthed vision if you can have that vision when you have vision it casts off restraints it's like it's a horse you know they put those blinders on horses eyes like that what does it do? It keeps the distractions away. So when you put the vision there, it casts off all the restraints, all the things that would hinder you. It just keeps you focused, it casts off distractions. A lot of the sins that you deal with, a lot of the, the frustrations, the weakness that, that you're trying to deal with this year, that you're resolving, that your New Year's resolutions, all those things that you're, this year I'm going to stop being like this, this year I'm going to, a lot of those things will just take place, especially when it, when it comes in regard to your holiness and your wholeness in God. A lot of those things will take care of themselves if you just develop a, a healthy heart vision. So sometime this week, I want you to think about that. Whether you're praying about it, uh, you know in the devotional time that you're doing with us these next 21 days whether it be some time this afternoon that you just get away get away get before the Lord uh go out on your porch you know what I'm saying go out on your little balcony or wherever it is that you can get away for a few minutes your backyard and just say God where do you want me to be this year? Listen, we're not talking about your goals. I want to make this much money this year. Awesome, have that. But before all that, would you sit before God and say, God, I would really like to not deal with loneliness this year. So I'm going to do these things to make sure that didn't happen. I'm going to commit myself to community. Right? Whatever it takes determination.